Welcome to Death Holler. Do you like scary movies? Welcome to Season 3. Slash or pass. There will be laughter. <laughs> tears. <laughs> tender moments. Jeez. Jeez. My special, special boy. But most of all, screams. Remember, when you're in Death Holler, listener discretion is always advised. We hope you have a killer time. in game land it's me your lovely <clears throat> gamer girl la arena and joining me on this adventure is my co-host and definite gamer the reverend dr death hey uh how was visiting the mechanical rat pizza and child casino it's a terrible place to try to sleep uh, <laughs> just keep having these nightmares these stupid kids running around just fucking shit up i, I don't know I, I didn't care for it <laughs> one out of ten. One out of ten would not recommend uh it definitely brought back nostalgia for me being there from back when i was a kid and you know really good music uh yeah if, if nothing else good music at that place yeah, pretty good music whenever the jukebox starts playing randomly in the middle of the night for no goddamn reason. Yeah, it's great. Well, you're supposed to stay awake anyways. You're supposed to keep your eyes on the screen. I screw that. Uh, they <laughs> hire me for night shift. I'm old. That's their problem. Well, today, folks, I am dragging the Reverend Dr. Death with me. We are discussing the long-awaited Five Nights at Freddy's film. Uh I think anticipated since 2015. The game came out in 2014. Immediate talks for a film based off the game success that I'm pretty sure my kids got for free. Like the first one, I believe they got for free and have paid, I think, for a few since. Whether it be on Steam, whether it be, I don't, I don't know what different platforms they play it on. I think they mostly play it on the computer. So. Just like the best drug dealers, the first uh, little hit's free, and then you got to pay for the rest. <laughs> yeah, once you're addicted, you're addicted. So I don't know how much money I have put into this, but uh, they've done well. So <sighs> They, they kind of got beat to the punch when it comes to the movie front, though. We'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, Yeah, 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 and I, I know a little bit about that. I did not include in the notes, so if you have those details, by all means, please give that to us. But I did see a fan film that actually did very well i was not aware of that oh and you know about another film too so <laughs> a little oh, something yeah. other people may or may not have heard of i don't know maybe maybe we'll throw that a few bones that way uh so anyways as we were uh get your flashlight 
stay awake, but most of all, stay alive. Reverend, you want to go through the podcast plug? You do it so well. If you're enjoying the podcast, we would appreciate it if you could take the time to like, comment, subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. It helps us get more visibility on podcast listings and helps us grow. Also, consider following us on social media. You can find us on TikTok and Twitter under Death Holler Pod, and we can be found on Instagram and Facebook under Death Holler Podcast. We appreciate everyone who listens and hope you enjoy the show. Ah, movie discussion. Five nights at Freddy's. <laughs> As if you didn't know. <laughs> tagline uh that got deleted stay alive well that's or i guess that's appropriate actually i'm i'm lying it's not stay alive it's can you survive that's it that's a little that's a little bit better yes yeah. now now folks here's the thing this film literally just came out a couple days ago so there's not gonna be a ton uh for taglines i didn't see any additionals so i went looking for additional ones i'm sure more will come out possibly yeah, and preparing people for the inevitable uh, next podcast that we do in the Slasher Path series. Uh, Terrifier doesn't have a lot of taglines either, so be aware of that. Yeah, straight to the point. <laughs> you look at let's just let's just get it going there. Okay, that's it. Uh, this was directed by Emma Tammy. I unfortunately did not look up any additional things she has done. Uh, written by Scott Cawthon, Seth Cuddleback, Cootie back, Cuddy back, Seth Cootie. <laughs> and Emma Tammy. Um, music by the Newton Brothers and Bless Their Soul. They had it pretty easy because there was a lot of music from back in the 80s. And there was a lot of music that had been created for this game on YouTube. There has been, but if you listen to the official, because I listened a little bit of it yesterday while I was out walking in the park. There, If you listen to the official like score soundtrack oh, okay. and not like the pop soundtrack, uh, the Newton brothers did a pretty good job of taking and like making, you know, that music. They, they kind of always have like this more of a, uh, synth slash orchestral sound. Uh, they're the ones that have been responsible for a lot of Mike Flanagan stuff. Uh, the haunting of Bly Manor and the haunting of Hill house, both were the Newton oh brothers. Oh my God. So. Yeah. So <clears throat> it really added because this film is rated PG 13 and that was a red flag for me going in. Because I was like, what are we going to get with this? And I know you're not a fan of PG-13 generally. I mean, we'll watch it. You you can get some good PG-13 horror films, but typically it hamstrings the director so much when it comes to like, and, and, the, and the MPAA is so stupid. We've discussed it. Oh, I mean, yeah. I, go, I always go back to that one from Peter Jackson. Because he had bullet, you know, uh, damage to a door, uh, they caused that caused him to, to get knocked up to an R rating. He, or uh, he barely got the PG 13 by even scaling that back. So it's dumb what they, the flip over is. Yeah. Um, the only thing I could say about the rating is they pushed it. I, it feels like they pushed it as far as they could while allowing it for, for kids to see because their target audience was the kids that my kids have been playing this since. Well, my son was five. My daughter was seven. So, Maybe even a little bit younger. My son might have been four. She might have been six. But so jump scare game with, you know, horror aspects to it. It's supposed to be introductory again, but this is more introductory than some of the films we've discussed. We've discussed Coraline. We've discussed, uh, you know, a Nightmare on, Night, Nightmare on Elm Street. 
<laughs> Nightmare Before Christmas being introductory into maybe scary slash horror. But this is actually, there's people dying. There's people getting killed. There is. I mean, I guess I would put this more on the level of one of my favorite things from my childhood, which is the Garfield Halloween special. Yeah. Um, it's it's probably closer to that. I was going to say really quick that Emma Tammy has actually got some horror bona fides. She's, uh, she made a movie called Delivered uh, that's about this pregnant woman who's being held uh, hostage and by a psychotic woman who's wanting trying to steal her baby wow. once she gives birth to it. Uh, a movie called Blood Moon, uh, which may or may not be about werewolves. And then she did a documentary that's pretty well received called uh, Woodlands Dark. And uh, oh, I can't remember the rest of the name. It's uh, and, and something deep, but it's basically about folk horror. It's like a documentary about the origin and movies and like, you know, which and like different things like The Wicker Man and all that that kind of played into that. Woodlands Dark and Days Bewitched. That's what it's called. So Yeah. Uh, so Emma Tammy, it, I have not heard of those, you know, films yet, but I'm pretty sure with this film, she's made herself a household name. Uh, yeah, I'm sure she has. Uh, she also made a movie, uh, called Bloodline in 2018 that has Sean William Scott, you wow. know, uh, stiff master. Yes. <laughs> I actually heard about him on that film. He was talking about it on, uh, inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum. I he apparently has started doing quite a bit horror movies. I want yeah. to see that Wrath of Becky movie that he is. Oh yeah. That he was promoting in that one. I heard about that too. And he's really proud of it. Uh, and if you ever hear him talk about anything he's ever done, he is the most humble guy I have ever heard. He says, please. And thank you to literally everything. You send a compliment his way. Even if you give him some constructive criticism, he's thanking you for it. And he's a and and unlike a lot and he he was and unlike a lot of Hollywood stars, he's actually appreciative of his place because he wasn't even trying to be. I mean, this you know big tangent, but he yeah. wasn't even trying to be you know a movie star. His brother was actually the one that was into acting, and he just happened upon it by luck. And so he's <laughs> he's he's really humble in that sense that he's appreciative of where he's at and how far he's got with it. It's wild. Uh, Sean Williams got everybody. He's not at all in this podcast. <laughs> But we love them. nothing to do with it. Yes, so. at all, but that's okay. Uh, back to Five Nights at Freddy's. Budget was $25 million. Gross so far, and this is incorrect, because from what I heard, uh, Friday's gross alone was $39 million. I heard Thursday was 10 point something million. Uh, Friday was 39 and I don't know what Saturday's was. Um, it's... The last thing I saw was it was on track to do 50000 or $50 million or whatever, but... Uh, they're projecting maybe even $80 million yes. opening weekend when it's all said and done. I saw $78 million. Uh, they were anticipating prior to that maybe $5 million over the weekend, and they made more than that just in the Thursday release, which uh, Cinemark, folks, Cinemark, we're not sponsored by them. Cinemark, we are looking for sponsors. But you can go see the film a day earlier. I don't know if you have to be on the app. And be a member. You said that it was playing at your theater. Yes, it was playing at all of our Cinemark theaters. But I didn't know if you had to access a ticket through the app or if you could walk up and buy a ticket. No, they, they just did the regular Thursday night release for this thing. Like wow. some movies get it and some don't. But yeah. like it, it was on there. I mean, it's just that I, I knew being an old as I am that I would be going to sleep if I tried to watch that, you know, like 
the only time I could probably watch is around nine or something because of work. So yeah. I, I don't want to be sleeping, you know, yeah. on, on a movie like this. Oh, definitely not. Now, for reference, whatever you think about this movie, whatever you think about the numbers, you have to remember that this movie not only released a theatrical version, they also released on a streaming service, Peacock, which Peacock, we are also looking for sponsors, if you're interested. <laughs> And I, and I don't understand this either. I don't understand the mentality behind it because it's, it, yes, it's good synergy because they've worked Peacock into so much this year. Mm-hmm. They've got, it was included with my HHN, you know, uh, tickets. So that's why I was able to watch this actually. Yeah. Uh, but, and, and this is a big push for people to sign up for it if they have it. Oh, because, yeah. You know, sign up for $6 to get Peacock and watch it that way or pay, you know, whatever it is, 20 to $80 pin upon the size of your family to watch it in the theater. But they had a, despite all of that, they've got a, what looks like a major hit on their hands. So I wonder if they regret doing the Peacock because it has to be hurting the, the theater. Oh, it has to be. It. Well, I'll tell you, I was looking up the numbers yesterday as I was doing some research on this. Only 23% of viewers have seen it on Peacock. Everyone else wants to go see it in the theaters. They're taking their families, they're, going with their friends. My daughter has paid to see, see this movie twice. I mean, we paid the first round. Second round, she paid to go see this film because... And, and that's great. Yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things where, I mean, just for instance, I paid to see Trick or Treat again whenever it came yeah. back in the theaters early this year because I, I mean, I feel like, you know, I wanted to support that and there's a possible sequel a little bit of information about that, which is a tangent. Michael Dougherty came out and said recently that he is an active, very active development on the script and hopes to have it out in a couple of years. So fingers crossed we'll get that sequel to Trick or Treat finally after all these years. Yeah, and if you are looking, if there's a film that you love and you are looking to possibly get a sequel or you hear a sequel's coming up and they release it in theaters, Go see it in theaters because that is money. That's revenue that they can get to kickstart the film, the production of it. Uh, I know. I mean, I I keep hearing about Nightmare for Christmas Part 2. I don't want it personally. Um, it doesn't need it. Uh, mm-hmm. If they wanted to do a prequel movie with uh, the reason that Oogie That's what Boogie I heard doing, and yeah. Jack Skelton were against each other, that might be okay. But even with that, I mean, yeah. pre- prequels – or there's a problem with them is you know the end result, yes. so they can be kind of boring, you know? Yes, and that is what uh, the part two is technically supposed to be. It's supposed to be a prequel, exactly what you just said, uh, how uh, apparently Jack and Oogie used to be friends, and both were up to be king of Halloween Town or Halloween, or the Pumpkin yeah, King. the Pumpkin King, mm-hmm. yeah. And, uh, yeah, we don't know the rest at this moment. But, yeah, uh, we went to go see it. Nightmare Before Christmas did amazing in theaters. Coraline did amazing in theaters. Something about the re-release. I hear that theaters are dying. People are saying that theaters are dying. I think these re-releases that they are doing are kicking a little ass. Well, there's two things that's the problem right now. And one thing that you, that Universal, reason another reason why I don't know why they did this Peacock streaming um, there are next to no movies coming out in the near future. Like literally, I mean, oh, the yeah. actors, because the SAG after strike have came to no agreement. Uh, they put like some kind of levy on there, which was just ridiculous by every account. And even like top 
grossing uh, actors that would not be named, they they had been anonymous, said that have came out in the press and said that what SAG after tacked on to the end of that uh, most recent negotiation because they were that they were just a fraction off from getting everything back up and running, and then they tacked that on at the last second, and it was like. I think that what they what the levy was was that they wanted and this is absolutely ridiculous. They wanted for every person that signed up for a streaming service to to for the actors to get paid every time that somebody signed back up or signed in for the or you know or signed, you know, up the first time. So that means that all these streaming services had to pay royalties for people signing up whether or not they were signing up for a particular uh, I, you know, certain property on that streaming service or not. Yeah. They wanted, they wanted, and, and, and it's hard to track. It's almost, it's going to be impossible to prove. Uh, but like I was saying, the big time, you know, actors have came out anonymously and said, this is stupid. We need to get this back up and running because they know that next year is going to be another COVID barren wasteland when it comes to movies. Yeah. And, it's going to be these older movies that keeps the theaters in business and people going to them because otherwise the theaters go out and then the movies uh, are going to suffer in the long run because they ain't going to be getting this kind of money at, with people sitting no. their ass at home. They're not. Yeah, it's just, and there's only so many like re-releases you can go see in the theater, which by the way, I did see that Trick or Treat is playing in my area at Cinemark and I had no idea. I yeah, definitely yeah. would have taken the kids. It's it's definitely worth seeing in the theater. And I want to say that I I think I might have missed it because I think it was one of those ones that came and went, and that's the reason I wanted to make sure I had at least one good theater experience. Oh, yeah, it, so. definitely. Uh, um, so back to the film, we're, I guess we are slated to have a 78000 maybe $80,000. Uh, or $80 million. Yeah, $80 million. Million, sorry. <laughs> $80 million <laughs> in the box offices in terms of gross, and that doesn't even include, you know, I guess worldwide. Yeah. So the movie is paid for itself. And then some, even if you factor in, you know, advertising, it's, it's good to go. It's, I mean, it, yeah. it's, it's pretty established now that it's, which they already signed up Matthew Lillard, spoiler alert for a trilogy. So, oh yes, they I did. Mean, that's in the, that's in the, uh, note. So, yep. I was yeah. like, uh, <laughs> and my daughter's so excited for my daughter who's seen this movie twice and who she loves horror films and the gorier and the scarier, the better. But, she not once assumed this movie was going to be scary at all. She was like, I literally, these kids are going to see this movie just because they love Five Nights at Freddy's so much. There is a fan base. Swifties need to look out because you got a bunch of fucking kids that are into horror. <laughs> yep. And they're going to yep. take you down. So <laughs> I, I just hope for this series, and we'll get in that in a review. I hope that they age the movies up as they go along. This, yes. This this can be the Chamber of Secrets for the Harry Potter yes. people out there. This can be the one that gets you in there, but you need to be start introducing some more horror mm -hmm. into it as it goes along. I couldn't agree more. Uh, principal players, Josh Hutcherson. You'll know Josh from Hunger Games, Jumanji, and this really surprised me. I don't know why. How's Moving Castle? It's it amazes me the people that are in these uh, animated films. Yes, especially the Studio Ghibli's mm -hmm. because they got a lot of major actors in those. They films. sure did. I'm pretty surprised. Uh, Dakota Fanning was in uh, Spirited Away, I believe, if uh, if my yeah. memory serves on that one. So yeah, I think we talked about that on uh, Coraline. If you guys want yeah. to go check out that review, <clears throat> Piper Rubio, who plays his little sister Abby, she was in various TV shows. I didn't feel 
it wasn't necessary to. She's pretty young kid. Yeah. So, I mean, this will probably get her into more stuff going forward. Yes. And pretty decent actress, too. Like, if you're talking about child actors, she she was good. Wasn't yeah, crazy annoying. She, uh, she's a little brat, but, hey, she did her role well. Yeah. So, Elizabeth Lale, uh, she played Vanessa. She was in the TV show, the Netflix series, You. And That's where I primarily remembered her face from. Okay, and I have not seen you at all. Where are we on uh, season three? Uh, it's season three. Well, no, it's or season two. four. Oh, it's shit. season four now. Okay. Season one was Vanessa's character was the primary focus. Uh, season two was the the girl who played the bitneck lady from the Haunting of Hill House was his primary focus. Oh, damn. He, en- he ends up being married to her in season three. They have... They try to work out a relationship because they're both killers, fuller oh. alert, and it's and it's tough to say the least. And now uh, they've had a season four, and I I don't know. I feel like it's kind of played at its, its premise, but, you know, that's just me. Uh, yeah. Uh, she was also in Once Upon a Time. I don't know. I don't remember which character, and I honestly don't remember her in it. So, And she's been in at least one other uh, horror movie. It was uh, Countdown, which was a, uh, another movie we can throw in the death season uh, because that's one where you download an app and it tells you what your death date is going to be and, you know, and it counts down the time. So you're trying, and these people are trying to avoid death, you know, whenever they see that it's coming up quick for them and doesn't work for them in a lot of cases. Uh, This is going to be a spoiler alert for a lot of people who like the game, have played the game. We've got Matthew Lillard, the the golden boy of this movie. He plays Steve Raglan, which is a, uh, I don't know, one of those people that helps you find a job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he also plays William Afton, the (laughs) main antagonist. Yeah, here's the thing. I didn't like him at all as Steve. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I don't, I, the acting, I mean, it was, it was, it wasn't bad. Don't get yeah. me wrong, but it was just like, I was like, he seems just a little like, uh, you know, cartoony. Mm-hmm. He seems like, I mean, it's like if you took Shaggy and Stu and kind of mixed them up and made them like, you know, just very, just bland vanilla. But then whenever he was w- William, I was yes. like, okay, that's where he's focused all of his acting on. Okay. That's just his range, Reverend. Like he's got yeah. range. You, you can't knock him for it. Matthew Lillard, if you didn't know, he was, he's been in a lot of fucking films. I threw some basic ones cause we're trying to keep it short here. He's been in Scream. Uh, it's supposed to maybe possibly upcoming Scream projects as well. I really hope he's in part seven. Yeah. I really hope to God that he's, or is it, it's part eight or which one? I, I'm, I'm, I think it's part seven. I think yeah. so. Um, 13 ghosts. We remember him and that he's already been on this podcast and many, many Scooby projects, including straight out of nowhere, which is, yeah. uh, we also reviewed on this podcast. We sure did. Uh, Mary Stuart Masterson. I was surprised to see that name. I feel like I haven't seen her in anything recent that I've watched. I'm not saying she hasn't been in anything. Uh, she plays Aunt Jane, an evil conniving aunt that wants to take over ownership of Abby in terms of, you know, parental rights because she wants that monthly paycheck. Uh, yeah, so that's what that's her. That's her deal. Uh, she was in a movie back in the day called Immediate Family. She's been in a lot of sappy kind of, you know, uh, gut wrenching films. Uh, Benny and June and uh, fr- fruit green tomatoes, as I put it on the notes. <laughs> tomatoes. Fruit green tomatoes. Well, I meant to put tomatoes, but you know, tomato um, potatoes. But, 
it's funny. I started watching for, you know, spooky, you know, night that's coming up here very soon. I started watching this movie called The Offering, which is a haunted house movie. My genre, of course, yeah. from back in like the 70s. And uh, the ant in that movie uh, that seems to be like a cool ant is played by one of the like, like most hateful people. And it's kind of funny that like there's this, it's, this evil ant link is in my mind because it's, it's Betty Davis is the one that's playing the, wow. the ant in this movie that I'm watching. So like, and, and, and I'm pretty sure, is it she the one that was in mommy dearest or one of those? Like she was one of those. Mm-mm. Not Betty okay. Davis. I'm trying to think who was in. Now I forgot who was in mommy dearest. Um, but it was funny cause it was a famous actress that played a famous actress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't but, uh, know which one to tell you. Let me see. Anyways, go, go ahead. Um, okay, so now we go down to the ghost kids. Um, the only one that had any real accolades was Grant Freely. He played the ghost kid with a blonde, uh, well, he was the blonde boy, uh, one who did most of the talking. I think he was the leader of the gang. Um, he was in, uh, why did I put the movies? I, there was a, a few movies he's been in, but uh, Obi-Wan series. He was in that. Uh, Asher Colton Spence, he's the ghost kid with the hook. He's done various TV. David Houston Doty, uh, ghost kid with the bunny ears. Uh, Liam Hendricks is ghost kid with the hat. These kids didn't have a lot of, the, the, this might be like their first, you know, real acting gig. And Jophiel Love, weird name, ghost kid with, uh, she's basically the blue-eyed girl. So they didn't have a lot to do with the film. You could just tell those were the souls that belonged into the animatronics that we will be discussing. <clears throat> uh, now I know why Betty Davis tracks the cord with Mommy Dearest is because she hated, she had a feud her entire life with Joan Crawford, ah! who Mommy Dearest was based upon, I okay. think. So, and yeah, there played, you go. So Joan Crawford, was she the actress playing the actress, or was she the actress that was being played? Uh, she was the actress being per- portrayed, I believe, in that movie okay. because it was based upon a book by her daughter. And uh, Betty Davis apparently came out in defense of Joan Crawford and said, listen, I'm obviously not her biggest fan, but uh, wise cracks to the contrary, I did and still do respect her talent. She did not deserve that detestable book written by her daughter. I've forgotten her name. So, yeah. <clears throat> so even they had, they had, they were head of frenemy type situation oh. in their entire lives. That's yeah. And Faye was. Dunaway is the one who played Joan Crawford. And, uh, Betty Davis, or at least her eyes will make an appearance here <laughs> shortly on, uh, on this podcast. That's so. creepy. <laughs> All right. Synopsis. A troubled security guard named Mike begins working at Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria. While spending his first night on the job, he realizes the late shift at Freddy's won't be so easy to make it through. Mike is desperate for an income that is steady. The animatronics are ready. Can you survive five nights at Freddy's? Oh, that's pretty good. I appreciate that. That's a good <laughs> synopsis. I had to give it the old college try. Body count, we have a respectable seven. Unfortunately, most off screen, you'll see a silhouette at best. And the silhouette's a good one. Still better kills than uh, Lover's Lane that we covered previously this season, though. Yes, I'll okay. That. Yeah, definitely. Oh, no, I lost my spot. We got a security guard at the beginning strapped to a chair, forced into a bear suit where the headpiece has spinning blades. Um, that was a. That was a good fresh start to me. Like that was that's how, way to get me going, you know. 
Yeah, and then it played that very cool intro, uh, the theme song, The Five Nights at Freddy's from the Newton Brothers. It's yes. got like mm-hmm. that video game-esque quality to it where the you hear the kids even in the background going, mm-hmm. ah, you know, yes. it, that was a pretty good beginning to yeah, it. Yeah, they had a nice little 8-bit viewing. Somebody called it an Atari bit or Atari-like, you yeah, know? Yeah. I was like, it's it's 8-bit, but okay, yeah. Uh, but yes, no, that was really cute. And it told the story. It actually spoiled the film if you're paying attention, but you didn't know. So, and I'll go into that into the notes. Uh, Carl, who's a no-good doer, he, uh, him and his buddies, Hank and Jeff, they're all uh, going to smash up Freddy, Freddy, Freddy Fazbear's to get try to get Mike fired. So, Carl, the no-good doer, gets eaten by Carl the Cupcake. And that's pretty, okay. that pretty cute, yeah. That's a, that is a cute little kill, you know? Uh, Carl's fucking vicious. Carl can go through the vents to get your ass. And Carl ain't fucking with you. Like, he's mean. So, uh, Carl the Cupcake, that is. Uh, Carl the no-good-doer don't exist anymore. My only issue with that is, is Carl part of another animatronic or is he his own thing? Because if he's his own thing, it it's weird how it plays into the story about how the other animatronics are controlled. Um, okay, so Carl the Cupcake, I want to say, is uh, belongs to Chica. Oh yeah, yeah, That's yeah. That's what yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. Because Chica has the uh, like the the dining bib on or whatever. Yes, like, that says let's eat. eat. Yeah. Uh, yes, Carl the Cupcake, also known as Mister Cupcake and the Cupcake, is a smaller animatronic designed to accompany Chica, which he does. Okay. So um, Carl definitely needs to see the dentist about those teethers, though. <laughs> they they gapped and they popping out. So, anyways, uh, Hank, the no good doer, gets slashed off screen in a supply closet by Bonnie. I liked that because you're in a dark closet trying to turn on a light, and all of a sudden you see these eyes light up. Oh, <laughs> you're fucked. Uh, if that's the one I'm thinking of, uh, that one was pretty good because there's a bloody hand at least yes. goes up against the the you know, glass and then kind of smears down. Yeah, we do get a tiny bit of blood. So they, they, like I said, they pushed the limits as best they could to get away with what they could get away with. Uh, Jeff, the no good doer who, and by the way, each person sees the other die. So Hank got to see Carl die. Jeff got to see Hank die. No one got to see Jeff die except for us. Uh, Jeff's the uh, main no good doer. He attempts to escape. Uh, The exit never fucking works, you know? And uh, he gets slashed off screen um, by Foxy. Who's got the hook hand and then the other attachment that he cuts with. Yes. So, and uh, Bonnie, or not Bonnie, well, all of them are vicious, but Foxy, he's scary because you can hear him humming very calmly as he's coming for you. Yeah. um, Max. Max, I don't know about her. You think she's innocent? You think she's not? She didn't seem too keen to be uh, doing anybody dirty. She was the in-between character. She mm-hmm. almost gives me vibes of that one character that I mentioned uh, uh, during our, uh, uh, well, I can't really say because it's, uh, it's a mystery. But anyways, there's a character that I reviewed in a movie that's going to come up shortly in our release schedule who was an unwilling participant who actually stood up for somebody else and still got chomp or still yes. got taken out anyway. Yeah. So that's all I'll say. Which I mean, me personally, I felt bad that Max died. Max is a character. She is helping Mike by babysitting his sister at night so he can have this job. Um, she's actually paid by his evil aunt Jane to get information and she can't get any information on Mike because he's a good he he's doing the best he can. He's got custody of his sister because his parents are gone. One passes away, one couldn't handle the stress and just took off, which what the fuck, but 
I digress. Uh, so Max is there kind of helping, and he's letting her know, hey, I'm eventually going to pay you. Max done fucked up. She uh, went with her brother. He talked her into going and helping out with this plan. She was the getaway car. When she can't find uh, her brother and his friends, she decides to go inside and search, finds a small child that wants to play a little game of hide-and-seek, follows this child, runs into Freddy, when she hears the kid inside, she decides to take a little looksy inside of his fucking mouth, and he literally bites her in half. And you get to see that on silhouette. Yes, you do. Yes, and that was exciting. I, I really liked that one. Um, Aunt Jane's death was one of the dullest because you just see her laying there on the floor. Really off screen, don't even know what happened. Yeah, to her. we don't even know she's dead for sure, but she's considered a death. And then William Afton, our main antagonist, allegedly gets killed by the gang likely did not get killed by the game. Mm, I don't, uh, that would be a non-counting for me because yeah. he's still kicking in the supply closet or wherever they locked him in at at the end. So yeah. he's, he's not out of the picture yet. And even if he does die in that situation, uh, what's to keep his soul from being, you know, inside the, the bunny rabbit suit for, yeah. you know, the next couple of films. Uh, there's at least four kids that have died. Uh, those would be the ones playing uh, Freddy, Bonnie, Chica, Foxy. Uh, uh, and you're, you're talking about uh, Josh or, you know, his uh, his little brother. He yes, too. little brother. That, oof, that, that, that was a good story. I think that, you know, and what he's trying to figure out, uh, it worked for me, but for some people it did not, and I can respect that. Um, and then, of course, countless other kids that died at the hands of William Afton. Yep. But they never found their body, so was there countless other kids? Because uh, usually think... he stuffed their bodies into the suits. Now, he did that because they were onto him at that point, oh, and he yeah. knew that they would have proof. He's probably got a, uh, like we've talked about with several of these other slashers, where they've like, like got places where they dump the corpses mm. or whatever, um, or, or even Black Phone, if you've seen that movie, yeah. where the killer has the house across the street where mm-hmm. he buries the kids instead of his own place. Yeah. That's that's probably what Afton did. So Yeah. So it's... Uh, the story of Five Nights at Freddy's is gruesome. I never knew that the kids, some of the kids that he killed, he had shoved inside the body. And I guess as the games progressed, you know, Five Nights at Freddy's 2, 3, and 4, stuff that starts happening where the costumes are oozing because it's the bodies of the kids like just decaying and (laughs) well that's the thing now i don't know how they would work that into these even if they wanted to because it's been since the 80s yeah and and i don't know what time period we're operating in but it looks like it's current day with the cell phone technology and everything else uh those bodies should be beyond putrefied i mean you know at this point like i mean that would have happened yeah, a good two or three years in. So. Well, did you notice too that sometimes these outfits look toe the fuck up and dirty, and sometimes they look perfectly normal? Yeah, I, uh, I that, didn't understand that. I understand that, <clears> and that's <throat> the reason I was asking about Carl the Cupcake because if they they put the bodies in these animatronics, and that's what's keeping the kids, you know, souls grounded where they're at. Then how the hell did they get a whole kid inside Carl the Cupcake? Like, there's yeah, no, there's, you know, that that's the iffy one on for me. Maybe it's just a head, gross. <laughs> yeah, m- maybe I, I guess. Yeah, I don't, know. I don't know, but yeah. So the storyline, yeah, I'm I'm glad that they're considering other films because there's so much more to the storyline that is so much more gruesome that they could go into. 
So I think this was a decent introductory part of that. Um, movie quotes, I'm not going to go into too many. I would say that William Afton had a good majority of them. Uh, let's see. Steve Reglin, keep your eyes on the monitor. I mean, I, I don't know what that would reference to. Like, I know the I know in the video game you have to do that so you know where the characters are at. You have to. That was that was probably an Easter egg throwing because there's a lot. If you for the people who's played the games, there is apparently a ton. Oh yeah, a yeah, yeah. Shit ton of Easter eggs in this movie. That was the hardest that, part about seeing this with my kids. Is like, oh that's so and so. Oh that's this. Oh that's that. You know, and it's like, oh they got to do this, and it's like, shut up. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of feel like that way whenever I watch certain movies and I see the Easter eggs that they're throwing in. Like uh, Flanagan does a pretty good job of doing that in certain like uh, films that he's done. Like he'll mention a certain thing, uh, and and one of the movies that we we talked, we even reviewed uh, Doctor Sleep. Whenever he mentioned Cotet in that movie, yeah, which is from the Dark Tower, which Flanagan is supposed to be doing. Thank God, yeah, uh, for Amazon. Like whenever they mentioned Cotet, I was like the same as your kids. It's like, oh my God, they just mentioned Cotet. <laughs> that means that Roland the gunslinger's out there. That means that you know all of them. You know, it's like okay, everybody, it's happening. It's happening. Uh, Steve Raglan, I always come back. Was that Steve Raglan or was that? William that was Afton, Afton that okay. said that. Yeah, that's and what I uh, there's a pretty good TikTok of that where they combine stew from Scream oh. and Wafton, and he says, I'll be right back, be right. and then he says, I'll always come back. Oh. And then they, then they cut one more thing, which makes perfect sense. There's a, 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 a image of Ghostface taking his hand and using it to wipe the blade, the blood Stop off the blade, it. which is exactly what Afton does in this movie. Yes, yes. Uh, Vanessa, have you met them? Which, by the way, Vanessa, uh, she's more of a key character than I knew in this game. Yeah, but in the game, now, I, I could be, now, this was from TikTok, so I'm just quoting this, yeah. and I'm an old because I'm saying it this way, because uh, I don't know, but I've heard that the character you play in the game is actually the Vanessa character, like, you know, that you're the, the eldest son in the game of William Afton, and it was your youngest brother that was, like, killed first by one of the animatronics, and that one of your other and your sister might have been killed too by one of them. And that's what caused him to go off the deep end and start killing, you know, like killing these kids. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but you're actually the eldest child of William Afton in the game. Quite possibly. Um, I do know she is one of the main characters. I think it's a playable character in one of the games. I won't spoil it, but if you want to do your own lore lookup, yeah, she's she's a lot bigger than what I expected in this film. I liked her character in this film, but Vanessa says, have you met them yet? And Mike met who now I ah, will get into that in the death holler awards. So, <clears throat> um, Mike Schmidt. Uh, no, no, no. I don't want to read that one. Uh, the pharmacist, when Mike just grabbed his fucking, the pharmacist is trying to give him advice on how to get better sleep. And he just grabs his pills and takes off. And the pharmacist says, asshole. <laughs> I looked at my wife and said, I've, there, I wished I could say that to some oh, of my customers. That would be amazing. <laughs> I don't know that uh, that Mike would have cared. He was on a mission, so, yeah. Uh, let me see. Doug, the lawyer, I shouldn't be hearing any of this. When they're sitting at the table with Aunt Jane and her all her henchmen, if you will, talking about how they're going to try to con Mike. Yeah, that... 
uh, that guy I'm hoping is in the awards, the, her lawyer, because he was a highlight <laughs> for me. Yes. I did not, but you can add him. Uh, Steve Raglan. No, not Steve Raglan. Definitely William Afton. This is perfect. First, I killed your brother. Now I kill you. Symmetry, my friend. Yeah. 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 And I think they might have put uh, Steve Raglan on here because they didn't want to spoil, but or spoiling. I mean, I'm just going to have to put that this is a spoiler review right off the bat. Well, I mean, if we're going to talk about the movie, it's it's hard not to, I mean, without spoiling, you know, certain aspects cuz I mean, the best you can if you're not doing a spoiler cast, then you, all you can do is basically like two or three minutes saying, "Did you like the movie? Do you recommend it?" Yes, yes. All right, that's it, folks. Blah, yeah, blah, blah. there's no way we got to discuss you, the you, movie. You can't really break it down at that point. Yeah. So pretty much Steve had majority of the not Steve Mike had majority of the quotes. Uh, no other taglines. We've discussed that already. So let's get right into the movie review. Uh, visuals. What What are your thoughts? Uh, the animatronics are amazing, and I didn't realize this, but they were done by um, uh, Jim Henson. Jim Henson, yes, yes, his, Henson uh, Productions. Yes, his a uh, little puppet pr- puppet production company. Yeah, I was surprised to see Jim Henson on here. I was like, wow. But am I surprised because he's done so much? Well, not him. He's uh, not alive, but yeah. It, and I think his daughter is the one that's primarily running it now. And she she was also the one that was behind the uh, the Dark Crystal yeah. uh, um, Netflix series, which was, I mean, even if. Uh, it should have got another season, but I mean the story was was okay in that. I mean it wasn't bad, but the the puppetry was top tier. Like yeah. her dad would have been proud to see what she did with that. I mean it was great, and it's great in this movie too. Um, I like also visually the uh, the just the look of the movie, like the like the night scenes mm-hmm. and just the contrast and the lights and the dark and you know the they, neon they, bright colors of fucking Freddy Fazbear's. But also the aged look of it, oh, yeah. and like the, and the and everything, and it also, I mean, they use the look of the the backdrop and everything else, and the and the contrast to get as close to horror as they can, even though they don't quite achieve it because yeah. of the you know the rating and all, or I mean, of what they got. So yeah, uh, storyline. Um, you know, there is mixed reviews on this storyline. There is people that are like, it worked. I think they're just kind of happy to see the characters on screen. But there are people that are like, this story was too sappy for this video game. I, I don't know. I thought it worked pretty well. I can tell you what the divide is. Uh, from what I'm hearing, if you were deep into the lore of the games and the mm-hmm. books, you won't like what they did in this because they, like I said, the original lore was that Afton went psychotic after seeing his children die from the animatronics, and then he started killing other people's children, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And this one, they made him a uh, maybe a pedophile. It's kind of hinted, but even if not, uh, just a child killer. Yeah. And, um, you know, that, that, that break between the two of them, if you were a hardcore fan of the, the lore behind the games could be, I mean, I think that's pushing people to say, this isn't how they did it coming in from point of view where I'm not have no skin in the game whatsoever. It worked. I yeah. thought that it was pretty, I thought it was pretty good. And I liked Same. how they worked in. My favorite part was how they worked in the children in his dream, uh, seeing yes. him, you know, because where he's sleeping in the place and the ghost can, 
you know, kind of like in his dream or whatever while he's there, because that's like a common thing that's, that's used in ghost lore is that if you sleep in a haunted house, you can experience like the, you know, the spirit, like entering your dreams and stuff to communicate with you. Cause that's one of the few places that they can break the barrier yes. between the two realms. Uh, yeah, I, I don't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> a little too close to home, but yeah, uh, no, it, it worked really well. I heard a rumor that these kids um, can hear the secrets that you keep when you're talking in your sleep. I, I have heard that, and I heard that there was a song in the 80s made specifically uh, through, uh, you know, uh, fortune telling. They was able to determine that this game and movie would be made and that it fit so perfectly <laughs> they would just make the song based on that. They really should pay royalties to Universal, even though they, they made the song first. I mean. Yes, I, I think so. But, you know, that's just how it works in this game, you know. Uh, the acting, um, I wasn't expecting much from the acting. So I would say that it was fine because I don't think anybody was terrible. I think that Vanessa was the best. Yeah, she me. was. She definitely uh, put some feeling into it. Uh, he's not in the movie enough to give him a whole lot of credit, but of course, like I said, I didn't like Raglan, but I did yeah. like Afton. So that's I, funny. I know. thought Raglan was a good, like uh, I don't know, try try to trick you. How early in the film did you know that Raglan was Afton? Mm, I didn't really. Okay, but like whenever, but neither whenever did the, I. It's one of those things where the reveal came out. I was just like, that makes sense. I know. Same I, with me. I was like, why didn't I know this? Noah claims he knew right away. I suspected something different, but that's because I came into it from Willie's Wonderland. Yes. Uh, and in that one, the person that hired you knew that there was the animatronics were alive and they wanted you to die inside of that place for a different reason. So yeah. that's what I thought he was. He was there for. He was like the middleman that was like feeding the souls to the, you know, demonic entities that were inhabiting the, you know, the animatronics. Or yeah. Whatever. Which is, I don't know. Uh, eventually we're going to review Willie's Wonderland <laughs> more? I don't know. Uh, it's a creature feature, so yeah. yeah. It, it, and and there's another movie that would make a good double bill with it that's not this movie. And uh, But uh, uh, as far as the other actor, Josh was fine. Yeah. Uh, he, he didn't. And, and the kid, she does good for a kid, but yeah. it still is a kid. They've got, outside of like these, you know, like Halo Joe Osment. Yeah, I mean, yeah. outside, you know, and even I would say Macaulay Culkin, because when we get to human horror season, the good son, my God. Oh, I yes. Mean, but outside of kids like that, it's hard to get a kid that's like, you know, yeah. got a lot of range. Yeah, so. and they really didn't expect much of her. So, you know, they, they, they did a good job at keeping her her parts small but effective. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think everyone did a good job. I mean, uh, the only thing is Mary Stuart Masterson, did she or did she not do a great job? Because I don't feel, I don't know. Like, she's a great actress, no doubt. But I think she was underutilized in this film. She plays the snarling, mustache-twirling bad yeah. guy that, you know, you you from days of yours. So it works. It's yeah. just, I mean, there's not a lot of room for her to do much in mm -hmm. that role. It's like, you're just, you're there to make, I mean, you know, like, Everybody but William Afton look better, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Um, okay. Probably, like I said, if nothing at all in this film, this film had great music. 
that is universally being praised, praised oh, yeah. by people because between the Newton brothers' uh, own score yes. and then the pop music they chose for this, which was amazing. I mean, they even have a little bit of uh, Iggy Pop going on at yeah. one, one point when she's like playing around with the animatronics. Uh, uh, and they're just great. And I can't hear Iggy Pop without thinking of him from uh, Adventures of Pete and Pete. Oh, my and, God. Uh, b- by the way, his daughter in that show's name was Nona. So there you ah! go. What the hell? It was. <laughs> uh, let's see. I, I We've not done this before, but I had to throw some shout outs to the songs. Uh, Talking in Your Sleep, which the anima- is the song that the animatronics play. Never in forever would I have imagined that in a movie, they wouldn't have some goofy own version of their Freddy Fazbear's music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you would expect that to be playing in the background or whatever, but there's another movie out there that does that more so okay um uh, it's called willie's wonderland we'll do it in a minute <laughs> a connection uh performed by elastica that was pretty popular in the 90s shit they even used it on a fucking hair coloring commercial i remember probably like feria or something like that so yeah it's got a very upbeat and that's the thing uh, the the music is fun which is an odd thing versus you know what's going on in the movie it's you know it's I mean, but anyways, go ahead with the next song. Uh, Iggy Pop, uh, what song was that? Oh, Real Wild Child. Yeah, There it goes, Wild One. I have not heard that in a movie since Pretty Woman. I want to say that when I heard it, I immediately thought a problem child, and maybe it wasn't Ah, in that movie, but my mind is telling me that it was. I I feel like I remember that. (laughs) But anyways, yes. Uh, Celebration, uh, performed by Cool and the Gang. That was a good one. Uh, I want to be down by Brandy. That was random. Now, the reason why I had this song in here, not because it was like, oh, this is amazing pop music, whatever. It was. It was a good song for back in the day. But I feel like this movie was like in the late 90s, maybe. Mid to late 90s. The kid was dressed like she was from the 80s. Uh, I, I don't know. Like, And then the phones were all flip phones. Not one person had an actual smartphone. That is true. Uh, according to Google, Problem Child did have on their th- uh, on their soundtrack "Real okay. Wild Child," so that because yeah. w- w- it fits, it's yeah, perfect for that absolutely movie. So fit. Anyways. So yeah, so I I think this film was set in like mid to late nineties. That's just me. I I have not looked up to see if they have confirmed anything about that. Okay, um, it doesn't have anything that dates it as current time necessarily, Mm-mm. and the and the age of even like the. Uh, well, there's still malls for one thing, so that right there yeah. says something about it. I mean, and malls are, I mean, in the movie, apparently, like, real, there's a lot of people <laughs> there. So, I mean, yeah. that right there means it's not current day because Definitely. most malls are dead. Yeah, I mean, and malls were still current in the early 2000s. I don't know when they started dying, maybe after 2005 or something. Yeah, it's whenever Amazon got really big. That yeah. was around that time. Ooh. And then uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, which was written, written by Yove Landau, performed by The Living Tombstone. Uh, and I'm not sure if this is one that... There's a lot of songs on YouTube that my a lot of music videos my kids would watch, all related to Five Nights at Freddy's and all original scores done by people you know, random people, and they did have a few of those in this soundtrack. So I was like, that's cool. I remember my kids listening to that on repeat. So. Yeah, it, I, 
you can't fault the music in this. I mean, it's one of the best soundtracks to a recent mo- a horror movie that I can think of. Yeah. Okay, let's go on to some trivia. You ready? Sure. All right. Unlike most studios using CGI for bringing creatures to life, Jim Henson's Creature Shop was responsible for the creation of the Fazbear animatronics, which we did discuss. So Yeah, and it and you can definitely tell that that they're more realistic than, yes. than the Yeah. The animatronic characters were performed by puppeteers from the Jim Henson Company. For shots where the characters weren't moving, the puppeteers would control both the head and body movements. In the rare instances where a character would walk or dance, a stunt performer would don the costume while the puppeteers controlled the heads remotely. And that and that works because I mean they don't have to move fully that often in the movie Mm-mm. for it to give the yeah. freaky, you know, effect that they want. Exactly. Um, Because of Foxy's skeletal-like structure, he was built as a full-body animatronic puppet and performed by Russ Walco. Along with the group of puppeteers from the Jen Henson Company, in shots where Foxy wanted it, uh, Foxy walked, excuse me, it took as many as six puppeteers to accomplish his full range of movements. And Foxy was one of the cooler-looking ones, in my opinion. Yeah, he was one of the scarier-looking ones. I mean, we're just looking at him, you know, straight on, even though... Uh, Freddy Fazbear, whatever his name is, yeah. like it's got the the most evil face whenever he's like not happy with you. Oh so. yeah, which I do love the change, the movement changes of the face. It's like, oh look, he's nice. <laughs> All of a sudden, yeah. it's like I don't trust yeah. this motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, my kids were upset about this one. Um, although there was a Golden Freddy stunt suit built, the costume was never used during filming. For all of his shots, he was an animatronic puppet performed by puppeteers from the Jim Henson Company. So uh, the kids were like, there's no Golden Freddy. I don't know shit about Golden Freddy, so I just know the children are upset. He can make an appearance in a later movie. Now. They've yes. got plenty enough to continue on. And and, and in, if they want to, they don't need to skyrocket the budget. I mean, I feel like the that's one thing I'll give this movie. I feel like the budget with what they got away with and visually what they got away with, they, they shouldn't, I mean, they're right there in the pocket. They shouldn't, if anything, just give a little bit more money so they can make more like movable suits, yeah. but that's it. They don't need, they don't need like to go Disney route and say, here's like 200 a million dollars, you know, make some bullshit movie that nobody's going to watch, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, this is going to answer some questions you had about why they release uh streaming but even before the movie was released producer jason blum yes it's a blumhouse production said it had already made back its budget from selling and streaming the theatrical distribution rights okay i just don't understand the streaming part of it because that's they're uh, universal selling that to themselves in that instance that's what i I don't know yeah that, that still don't make any sense but whatever um, it's, it's, it's a way to move money around. It is. It's, yeah. Um, this is Blumhouse's, pro- oh, wait, this is the, this is Blumhouse Productions first ever video game film and doesn't and sound like it's going to be the last. I hope it's not their last because yeah. there's several video games that would make amazing horror movies. And I think Blumhouse is probably the studio yeah. to maybe get to get the best, uh, effort out of them. I was so excited to see this was uh, Blumhouse, but I was like, ah, PG 13, ugh. Um, in an interview with Jason Blum, it was revealed that the film is Blumhouse Productions' top priority. That that doesn't surprise me. It just also makes me uh, 
wonder about like future Blumhouse films that that yeah. are slated because I mean they've got they do they have confirmed they've got Black Phone two. Whether or not that needed a sequel <laughs> or whatever or a prequel or whatever, it is coming out. And if this is their priority, yeah. I wonder what that means for that movie. They went gung ho with this. They just knew they're like kids are fucking suckers, and they are. You know. Well, he he is a good producer. Uh, he he's a great producer. I mean, he's because he knows. He knows how to leverage the smallest budget to get the most bang for it. And yeah. he and I mean people can give him a lot of shit for recent duds that Blumhouse has came out with, but I mean pound for pound like he is one of probably the biggest producer, I mean like biggest actual like winning producers as yeah. far as like his movies hitting and, and making money oh, yeah. of any out there. Like and just you, I mean And when you hear Blumhouse you get excited. When you see their opening, you're like, "Oh shit, this is Blumhouse," you know? And he's and and he really knows for sure how to leverage because I mean he knows that horror movies don't need super inflated budgets to really make a shit ton of money. Oh and yeah, he leverages that to the hilt. You really don't, especially in this one. I'm I mean I'm a little surprised because we didn't even have blood effects, but we did have some other cool shit. So I don't know. One thing, and I don't and and I don't know what they were holding back for. I feel like this would have been better if they would hit earlier in this month with this. It gave it more time to run through yeah. for Halloween. I I, I agree with you. Like I don't, I don't. Uh, now the, everybody, everybody avoided um, uh, Taylor Swift because oh, they knew that yeah. they knew that was going to be big. Uh, and and the other thing is too, another Blumhouse production, which this one tanked, uh, The Exorcist Believer. Yeah. Uh, I guess he wanted distance between these two for that reason, but I think he hurt this one by trying to give that movie its 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 proper due. He should have. He should have released exorcist last month yeah uh let it die in the theater whatever it's going to do because it already had bad word against it because people were still pissed about david gordon green's you know halloween ends uh and they and they and you you take the exorcist you're just asking for and try to make any sequel to it yeah unless it's called uh exorcist three uh, you're you're basically just shooting yourself in the fucking foot, anyways. So he should have just let put that one out in September, let it run its course, and then started this month up whenever he did. Yeah, with Five Nights at Freddy's and let it make the money it was going to make. He knew he knew this was going to be a big hit. Yeah, my daughter said, and this is just from a moviegoer with no experience. I mean, I don't consider myself experienced movie reviewer by any means. Um, but we do it, so here we are. But my daughter said, I don't understand they knew that there was going to be a lot of halloween parties this coming weekend why didn't they release this sooner i would have been upset like my son had a dance on friday night we had the opportunity to see it thursday but if it was only released on friday my son would have had a very difficult time choosing between a dance and the um and the movie and obviously he wants to see the movie but he loves going to his school dances that's his thing so you know, being that there were so many parties going on this weekend, my daughter was like, that doesn't make any sense. And this is a 15-year-old, like, putting this out there, so. And Universal, down at least in Orlando in CityWalk, had a Blumhouse, like, you know, kind of like walkthrough type thing that they set up early this month. It was like the first week of October, and the highlight for everybody was the Five Nights at Freddy's yeah. one that they had set up there. 
Every, they all knew that it was going. I don't know why they didn't try to move this back. Yeah, like, you know, and I, release it earlier. I agree. Um, and this film is actually really doing good. They, like in comparison to Taylor Swift, like oh yes, you got all those Swifties out there, but they did not expect this film to kind of even hold up with that. So. Yeah. It was a pleasant yeah. surprise for them. Um, let me see. In August 2018, Scott, Scott Cawthon said that the first film, said that if the first film were to be successful, there would be it a is. second and third film. <laughs> yeah, I think we've established that. Following the events of the second and third games, respectively. In January 2023, an interview on the podcast Weekly MTG, Matthew Lillard revealed that he signed a three-picture deal with the studios, which we're, we're happy. They knew yeah. they knew up front that it was going to do well, so I don't think there was any second guessing from you know any of their standards. And it's almost a lock that Five Nights at Freddy's will be a house at Ugh. Universal Studios HHN next year. Absolutely, there is no way. I am so. I, I told my husband, I was like, "Oh my god, this is a Universal film." He's like, "And," and I was like, "Uh, HHN Pendejo. That's what." <laughs> like that's, that's gonna happen like i want to see that and i don't even play the game i don't play any game so you know but still they they can make it really creepy especially with the animatronic like yes. suits or whatever you know definitely have alex's body and when they bite her in half have blood squirting all over everyone oh that's just so amazing <laughs> okay uh like in the games foxy can be uh, heard humming before he attacks he's the only character with a voice the rest just lip sync to the predetermined tunes programmed in the shows which is talking in your sleep by the romantics do they have any other songs uh no because they they're not actually singing uh real wild one or whatever mm -hmm. they're just they're, they're just, all dancing to yeah. it it's like a montage or whatever that's what i thought okay uh the opening credits are depicted in atari based computer graphics <clears throat> 8 bit showing the events that lead to freddy fazbear's pizzeria closing for business this style of storytelling is present in the majority of the games foreshadowing the true story behind the events of the franchise um, I thought it told a little bit more, but that's probably further down. Uh, Willy's Wonderland 2021, starring Nicolas Cage, has a plot that is inspired by Five Nights at Freddy's. Uh, it seems a little more than inspired by, but that's me. I haven't seen it. In which people are attacked by possessed animatronic characters at a Chuck E. Cheese style type restaurant. So wait, you still haven't seen Willy's Wonderland? I have not. My kids have. Okay. Okay, okay. We'll we'll get to that here in a minute. Go okay. continue. And you know you can spoil me because I, I don't I don't mind the spoilers, so uh it's not I'm not gonna spoil it for you. There's not much to spoil, oh, okay. but uh, we'll get to like in our review part of this whole thing, like ultimate review. Got it. Uh, uh Five Nights at Freddy's was released on the Peacock streaming app on October twenty sixth, twenty twenty three, which is strange because out here I showed the twenty seventh eventually. I saw twenty six and then it said twenty seventh, so I don't know. Um, I think it was like maybe that at midnight or something. Yeah, like change over between the two of them. Okay, and was theatrically released a day later, a day later, on October twenty seventh by Universal Pictures. Um, uh, it was re it was released on twenty sixth. I mean, at most theaters. Yeah, um, if you want to do early, you know, views. Yeah, they just did. They didn't advertise it. They did. A, I don't know why they did that. So our theater, it was. Oh no, that was Nightmare Before Christmas, where we only had us in the theater I'm trying to think if it was full no it wasn't full at the theater we were at um but there was there was quite a few people there and I was like okay like obviously it's not booked the next day however you couldn't walk up and get a ticket it was booked so 
I, I don't know that that maybe that's out here. Um, and some people, I don't know. There's not a lot of just walk up. Even on the when I was looking at the percentages, there weren't a lot of walk up sales for it. So I started seeing like the at least the seats that we prefer to to you know book at our theater were yeah. already booked up by you know like three or four days before that. Yeah. So I mean, and that's it, it, Cinemark app. That makes sense because you're booking online. You know. Yeah. So, YouTuber Mark Fishbach, which my husband was asking why wasn't he in the film, so this is for my hubby, known online as Markiplier, who helped popularize the FNAF games with his multitude of videos showing him play it, was contacted to have a role in the film as the security guard that preceded Mike Schmidt, but Fishbach turned it down due to a conflicting schedule with his own upcoming film, Iron Lung, which is also based on a popular video game. Mm. I feel like, I mean, I, I get that, but at the same time, I feel like that's if if you're primarily known for that, yeah, that could have been your like leg up in the other roles. I, I mean, given how big this is going to be, and I can't imagine a movie called Iron Lung is going to do that well. Yeah, I've not I, heard of Iron Lung, but I've heard of Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah, yeah, um, I, I feel like that's choosing the wrong you know, thing to go with. Yeah. I think he's doing fine. He's a YouTube millionaire and really it was his role and his reviews of the film that really helped popularize, popularize this move or not movie, this game. So maybe he, it wasn't something he felt I have to do this, you know? Um, but yeah. you're right though. Uh, I mean, you can always use a little bit more push into the industry, you know? Yeah, for so. sure. Uh, the Five Nights at Freddy's game series, which served at the as the film's source material, premiered on August 8th, 2014, and now uh, comprises an expansive number of entries. So, um, yeah, they keep making them because they're easy to make. I mean, they the same concept. I mean, but with like different jump scare locations and all that. It's which is the biggest critique I've seen from fans of the moot or the games is that the games are based on jump scares and there aren't any in the movie. There's hardly, there's like three. I counted three and they're from the same character every time, which is balloon boy. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever. Um, let me see. Second horror. This is the second horror film where Matthew Lillard played a serial killer since scream 1996. That is, that is accurate. He's yes. been a, a good guy in most of the other movies he's played. So. Yes. Before William Afton reveals his face, he wipes his knife the same way Ghostface does in the Scream series. A clear hint at his identity. Yeah, that, that's that's a cool callback. Yeah. Good Easter egg. I bet you he added that, too. Yeah, yeah I bet he did. Yeah. During the opening credits, Matthew Lillard is credited next to a scene of a purple guy putting on the Spring Bonnie Spring Trap suit foreshadowing that he was the killer all along. Because purple guy in the game, uh, there's two purple guys, but William yeah. Afton is the primary purple guy. The The other one that looks uh, a little more, uh, you know, haggard, you know, put beat upon is the main protagonist character, yeah. apparently, from what I've seen on TikTok. I so. would have never known, but <laughs> yeah, that's something I have to ask my kids. They, they'll definitely know. Um, at the end of the credits, I did not stay for this. I did see the mid-credits scene, but at the end of the credits, there is a message from Afton in the Springlock suit stating, come find me. Okay, no, I didn't stay for that either. Yeah, so there you, there you are. <laughs> I was happy to find that. Uh, okay, let's get into Death Holler Awards. Um, final girl. I didn't know what to put down, Mike or Abby. Mike and Abby. Mm. 
Abby's not really been targeted by the killers necessarily. Uh, well, Mike she is. is. Mike uh, William Afton wants her soul. Well, that is true, but I don't. Yeah, I guess Mike is the after character. Like you know, if he that he that has to be the one that get through to get to Abby. So yes. okay, she she'd be the final girl, I guess. Yeah, final final kid, and Mike would be the final girl. <laughs> uh, slasher William Afton. What are we thinking of him? I mean, he doesn't really do much killing on his own now. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, he's. He's basically a Freddy surrogate. Yeah. I mean, that's same M.O. Like, he kills children. I almost got caught doing it. And now, like, and I mean, but he escaped being captured or being caught. <clears> so, <throat> and now he could be become a supernatural, you know, child killer, which yeah. is, you know. Deadly. Yeah. I want to know how he controls. They did not go into how he has control over these kids. So I hope they go into that into the second film. Like, I hope they explain it a little bit better. And that ma- it makes sense that they wouldn't have explained it in this film because they don't in the first video game. You're just a random person literally trying to survive. Yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's almost like his uh, he, he commands the animatronics by voice. And yeah. so they have to obey whenever he commands them to do something. But that there's no real connection there as to why they obey a voice, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think he had them loyal for a while, like, oh, this is so much fun. But then that little girl shows them, you know, Abby shows them, hey, he killed you. Like, he's the reason you guys are stuck here, you know, whatnot. And then they turn on him. More is to more is to come, honestly. So, yeah, <clears throat> best kill. It was Max for me, her getting cut in half. Yeah, that's probably the best one, even though still you don't see anything. But, I mean, you, you don't see the rest of them either. So, and that, that one implies more yeah. about what's happening. It does, because I'm surprised, one, you, you see a creepy-ass hand pull her through. Second, you get to see this, the, the silhouette of it. So, I was glad we at least got that. And I was so happy. So. Yeah. Um, best scream, Abby the kid. I mean, she's a kid. The, the, and we don't get a lot of screams. Well, yeah, the only person who might have screamed would have been Max because that's true. Uh, you know, the main character Mike, he's not he he seems unfazed by most of this, which yeah. is the odd point. I mean, he he's creeped out, but he's not like freaked out like I would yeah. imagine I would be. And then Vanessa, she knows what's going on. Yeah, so as bad as it is, like you know, uh, best side character. Did you add that? Uh, I didn't add that. Uh, I'm going to say whatever the lawyer's name was. Oh yeah. You know, he was the the best side character, I think. Oh my God. That was so funny. He was just, um, that lawyer, he knew the laws, but he was not there uh, on his own will. So, uh, Franklin award, uh, the ant, the ant. What did she get the Franklin award for? Uh, she's annoying bitch that, that I mean, when she's dead, I mean, it's like, okay, good. Yeah. I mean, Aunt Jane Franklin award. Okay. I agree with that. Aunt Jane is, Aunt as Jane. some people like to say, Oh dear God. Uh, how anno- annoying is the doom prophet? I mean, it's Vanessa and she's not annoying. If anything, she's, she's a tragic. hot. Yeah. She's a tragic doom prophet. I mean, considering she was a child that to even go again, it's her father for God's sake. Oh it's yeah. Like, you know, and she knows um, what I don't understand is when she went there, like, is she like attached to her dad? Does she have 
a heart for her dad or something because she's like, if I go there, I won't be of any use to you. Trust me. And she actually was of use a little bit. I think she's, I mean, it, it's one of those things where even abused children, I mean, have, you know, have that connection to their parents and it's hard for them to, you know, even if they can admit their parents are pieces of shit, to, you know, if somebody else was to say your parents are a piece of shit, there's part of you. It's like, Hey, that's my mom or my dad. You yeah. know, like it's, there, there's, it's the same thing with parents and their kids. Like, I mean, I don't know how many times you see that where somebody points out, it's like, you know, your son's a serial killer and, you know, piece <laughs> not of my shit. baby. It's like, not my baby. He's, he's always been just the good, best child ever. And it's like, no, he's fucking not. He's got a and, good heart. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a weird thing with family. And yeah. so I think she was admitting that because of the familial connections, she, it was too tough for her to, to move against her own father. Yeah. Um, I, I, I found it weird that she would go, and I don't know if she was trying to be, like, keep the kids happy so she'd go play with them. Obviously, she had a close connection to the ghost kids, too. They liked her. They said she was a good person. Well, it kind of hinted me that she was their friend. She mm -hmm. was friends with them whenever they were alive. Oh, and then, yeah. And then they were killed, and so now it's her way of uh, both through guilt, I mean, that she, you know, knows what happens and won't tell, but also the fact that she misses them, that she goes back to them. Yeah, um, and she's definitely got more roles coming up. I don't know if she signed a three-contract deal, but she's big later on in the game, so I hope to see yeah. more of her. Uh, dumbest moment, there was a couple of them. I put Mike taking the sleeping pills to see the gang, you know, a.k.a. the kids, uh, when things had already heightened pretty deep. Um, but also there was... There was also Max reaching into that animatronic or digging her head into it. What the fuck? Yeah, yeah, there's there's several of those. There's the, uh, I mean, the, well, it's not really a dumb moment because she's a kid and she doesn't really know better, but like, but Vanessa, well, actually Vanessa's dumb in this moment. Vanessa knowing uh, that a that the that there's a potential there that the kids are going to turn on the on on Abby or whatever yeah. her name is, but knowing that that guitar that uh foxy whoever or not foxy whoever has the guitar is is electrified and, and that she you know goes up and touches it and she does nothing yeah whatsoever to keep her away from it and she's like no oh, and yeah. like, you know uh, pretty dumb because i mean she's of all the people there, she knows every pitfall of this place, and she's just like, yeah, just let her run around. Yeah. Have a good time. It's like, well, are you fucking insane? <laughs> Let's let her up there. She's just going to dance and play with the characters. <laughs> yeah, that that was wild, so I don't know. Um, Okay, final thoughts. Okay, th these are lengthy final thoughts. Okay. Uh, it's, it's almost a semi-review, uh, going back to what we said, but expanding upon it. Okay. So... I thought I'm going to give this a rating. Okay. I give it about three to three and a half, depending upon, you know, like where I'm at right now. It's somewhere in that range. I think that's uh, fair. Didn't blow me away. Oh, no. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why. It's the lack of the kills, first of all. I'm an I'm, I'm older, jaded horror fan. I, I like seeing that in my movies. I know this is for kids. Yes. But even with that, we've seen darker kids. I, I would argue that Hocus Pocus is darker in some way. Yes, I have to agree is. with you, yeah. 
because uh, it's more of a melodrama in this movie than it is a horror movie. Like yes. the whole stuff with Mike and his his kid brother that disappeared, uh, Vanessa and her father, and the dark you know history of the you know William Afton and what he did. I love every bit of that. I love that story, even though if that's not canon to the games, I love it. But at the same time, that's that's almost like tragic human horror, and it's not like you know supernatural. Uh, animatronics coming to kill you horror, which is what everybody expects from this. Yeah. I mean, so you're getting more family drama than you are actually, you know, horror. Um, and, I, and I've heard that, and I've seen that complaint from other people, so I don't think I'm alone in saying that. Uh, my biggest issue with it, uh, I mean, like I said, I did, I actually did like the story, uh, and I like the visuals and all that. My biggest issue is I've seen this movie, and I feel like I've seen the version that I wanted to see better, uh, which is Willie's Wonderland. Yeah. Um, and what that movie's about, it's it's a very truncated, you know, version of this. Uh, uh, the gist of the story is, is that Nick Cage is just this random stranger uh, speeding through in this nice fucking car through this, you know, out of the way, you know, uh, podunk town. Mm-hmm. Uh, he runs, he it actually, he... His tires get damaged, but that's on purpose. They they yeah. set him up, the people who are in this town, because they need to sacrifice to yeah. uh, Willie's Wonderland because there's the demonic, uh, and I can't remember the reason why, but there's a demonic presence that lives in the animatronics there, and they demand sacrifices because if they don't get them, they will go to the town and get them. So the town does it to save themselves, and so they get random strangers to work there overnight, knowing that they will be killed during the process. Yeah, feed this demonic force or whatever, and they're good to go for however long it is. Um, and the movie to me is better because it's got, it's got, it's got the humor in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the sense that Nick Cage is just like. He gives two shits about these animatronics trying to kill him. It's the funniest fucking thing, but it works so well. And he speaks nothing during yeah. the entire movie. You want, you would think that you want to see Nick Cage just, you know, going out there, not the bees, my eyes. <laughs> no, it, he's just his visuals, like it, the looks on his face, like what the fuck is this now? Oh, it, uh, you, you're some kind of animatronic uh, pixie that's trying to come kill me. Yeah. All right. I was hired to do a job. Let me kill you first. I, he gets covered in like their oil, blood, Ugh. whatever it is. Uh, and and after he's just cleaned up, like uh, he's doing his job. He's cleaning this place with what yeah. they paid him to do. He has to go back after he's killed these things and they've hurt him. And he's like duct taping his wounds or whatever. He has to go and he has to clean up the mess that he's made by killing the creature. And you can just tell it. He's like the whole, the whole way through. He's just like, fuck this. Yeah. But like, he's just like, I, I, I want my car back that they, they said I could do. And like the whole movie, you're just watching. It's a string of this, like the, the creatures, they're trying their best to like get him, but like he, they never, and even the town, like at one point they intervene because they're like, you should be dead fucker. And it's like, they, they hired the wrong person. Cause he's a badass. You yeah. Know? It's, it's wonderful. Like it, it truncates everything to exactly what you want. Animatronics versus the protagonist. And he, and I mean, it's, and you see that gush of blood all the time. They're, they're stabbing him. There's a few good scenes where there's some kids that get involved because they're going to burn down Willie's Wonderland once and for all to yeah. get rid of the evil, but he's in there. So they get trapped inside and they get ganked or whatever. And like, and, and it goes, it goes hard into the kills. 
so you get what you want out of this type of movie in that movie. Yeah, which it and, sucks because how was Blumhouse planning on competing with that if they were even going to compete with it? And did they know that that was coming out? And how did they feel about it coming out? Well, it came out in 2021, so they beat the Willy's Wonderland beat them to the punch. It took Five Nights at Freddy's game twisted the story enough to where they wouldn't get uh, you know copyright suit yeah and they they made will and they made five nights at freddy's before it ever came out Which so is insane because five nights at freddy's they've been planning it since 2015 and working um, on it and it's gone through multiple directors too and i mean the combination of nick cage the insanity of what they're doing and everything it's an enjoyable movie and it's just like i i get I kind of like to watch it better. I mean, I, the thing is, is I like the story in this better in Five Nights, but Willie's Wonderland gives me what I want out of this type of movie in a more truncated version. So, yeah, so um, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, they need to step it up. And Willie's Wonderland wasn't even the first movie to do this. In 2019, there's the Banana Splits movie, which yes. is based upon the old Banana Splits, uh, you know, uh, puppet or, you know, like people in costume type show where they get possessed. There's people inside the suits, but they get possessed by some kind of evil force and they go around killing the, the people that's around them. So it's been this makes two other movies that have beat them to the punch doing the same exact thing. I've heard the Banana Splits movie is not that great, and and universally, Willy's Wonderland of the two is the preferred. But yeah. I mean, oh, I would watch Willy. I mean, I haven't seen Willy's Wonderland, but Banana Splits is not a great movie. Yeah, so <clears throat> Willy's Wonderland to me, that's the reason I, I'm torn on this one because, and even my wife, because we've seen she's seen both too. She's like, I kind of like that one with Nicolas Cage better, and I'm like. I can't disagree with that. So, Which, uh, Willie's Wonderland did not do good at the box office, huh? Oh, it it didn't. It came yeah. and went, but like, I think it's gaining a lot of cult following okay. now that it's been out. That so would make sense. It's, it's one of those movies like people watch it and they're like, "Why did I sleep on this? Why didn't I know about this movie?" And it's like because some movies do that, you know. Um, and it was 2019. I don't know if you know, like there was a lot of movies that came out in 2019 that was right before you know, all the terrible stuff with COVID. So it, it, it might've been pushed out of the box office by something bigger. I, that was the height of Marvel. So, I mean, it could have been like Endgame or something that beat the shit out of it. I don't know. I don't yeah. know when it came out. Um, one thing I do want to bring up. So as far as that goes, I, that's where I'm at. I'm like, it's a three, it's a three and a half, yeah. you know, somewhere in that range. It, we definitely deserve a, better. We deserve a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm, I'm hearing that from quite a few people who are older, at least. Now, the kids, they seem to be loving the shit out of it. So oh, yeah. It, it worked for its target's audience. But I feel like they want to get more people going forward. They need to amp up the horror elements, the jump scares. They need to amp up the rating. Maybe to actually higher. have a jump scare? Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, we need to talk about this. The, the current Rotten Tomatoes oh, score of this. Oh, boy, do we need to. 25% from the critics, 89% from the audience. Uh, Any time that there's disparity this great, uh, I always side with the audience. And, oh, and yeah. I, I would say I'm more 70, 75% on this movie, but still, yeah. that 25% is fucking retarded. Um, one other thing that I forgot I wanted to, to praise this movie about is it does something I love when because movies can do this and other mediums can't. There's several times in the movie where somebody starts to lay out this big line of exposition about what needs or uh, some kind of story or about what's going to happen, and the movie cuts 
right as they started up and shows like the character, the main character, Mike moving, going back toward Freddy's or whatever he's doing, but then he's hearing them still as like the, you know, as, as they're narrating over top of what he's doing. So you get like, it, it breaks up the monotony of just him sitting there listening to this person. Yeah. It's, you know, him do, actually doing stuff on screen to keep you entertained, but you're getting filled in about what he was filled in about anyways. Like when Vanessa tells him, it's like, listen, when you go back there, here's what you got to remember. And like she, and then it cuts to him back there getting ready to open the place up, but he's hearing her still. I yeah. love when movies do that. It's a great way to save time on us having to sit there and watch it. But at the same, and also it visually keeps things interesting, you yeah. know? Um, but as far as this critic score, I heard, and now this is from Chris Gore, and I don't know where he got this from, but he was talking about it on a film thread, his you know YouTube site, and I also heard him talk about it on Nerdrotic with Gary Beekler whenever they were talking about it on uh, Nerdrotic Nooner. They were talking about the fact that this score is a punishment from uh, liberal critics <sighs> because the creator of Five Nights at Freddy's has is confirmed Trump campaign supporter and he's also like sent money to support other Republicans. And the reason that this disparity is there is not because they're doing their fucking job and actually reviewing the movie that they saw. They're trying to punish the creator by trying to make it look like this movie is shit so that nobody will go watch it so he will lose money. Uh it didn't but, work. It didn't work and fuck them. Like, yeah. seriously. We mentioned on the you're if you're a critic, your political views on somebody should not affect the movie. We mentioned on one of uh, on our view uh, of of Halloween, we were talking about the David Gordon Green and how he had that he his political views, at least with regards to uh, some uh, one of his later movies, was kind of one sided because he was going against the red hat people or whatever. Yes. Um. That makes me, I mean, but that didn't affect my view on the movie. I still mm-hmm. like Kills. Yeah. It had no bearing on it. It I, was I my favorite like, film. Yeah. I don't like him necessarily for, you know, being so one-sided and making his message could have worked either way. And he is like, well, it's clearly because of this. But that don't mean that I dislike the movie. These people are not doing their fucking job. I mean, how do you get a job as a critic, first of all? I mean, you know. And secondly, I mean, they're sitting there reviewing movies. Their one primarily goal is to look at the movie at hand and give it a decent review instead of it's like, you know what? I don't like Republicans, and I don't like this man who supported them, so therefore, one out of five. Yeah. It's like, fuck you. Fuck you. you. Unfortunately, Seriously. there's going to be situations where bad people have been involved with good films. And you, as a reviewer, it's hard because you don't agree necessarily what this person has done, but you also realize there are other people in the film that are not related to that. Uh, or maybe it wasn't they, um, the creator, they're the creator of five nights of Freddy's. They're not even creator of the film. Yeah. It's, it has nothing to do with the film whatsoever, which is even worse. It's like, they're trying to, to they're, they're trying to take out everybody involved uh, you know, from the creative process of the movie, yes. they're trying to hurt them to get back at the creator of the game. Yeah, you can't is, is, do is, that. You can't do that. You're gonna. Re- you have to review the film for what it is. I think it goes without saying. Both of us, like, we want more from the film. Kids love the film. Great. It wasn't for us, but I think there's potential. Uh, I for sure. And and the other thing is too. 
like what you said, you got to separate the artist from the art or whatever. And like Roman Polanski, uh, terrible fucking human being. Like, I mean, he, you know, is basically a, a pedophile, yeah. but, but he, some of the movies he made like Chinatown and Rosemary's baby top tier quality of filmmaking. I mean, the man could direct and make a fantastic movie, but he's a piece of shit. So, I mean, if you're going to review the movie for what it, what it is, I mean, high scores, but I mean, if I was going to review Roman Polanski, two thumbs down, yeah. you know, firing squad, get rid of the fucker. I'm just saying, you know, like if, if they want to, they don't, if they don't like the five nuts of Freddy's creator, you know, I mean, go out there and say that, but give this movie at least it's fair shake. Yeah. I mean, and don't saying. forget that there's other people involved that are innocent of whatever crime you think has been, you know, done. So, I, I mean, now, if that's not, I mean, that's not the case, then forgive me, but, I mean, I feel like he's, I mean, Chris Score is pretty, I mean, he's a independent, you know, reviewer, has been for years, pretty well respected in a lot of, you know, circles, and he's got, and he's got connections to these people. So, if, if he's been hearing that in the background, it's probably true. If so. I don't like, <laughs> if I'm not going to watch a movie, you will not see me going out there necessarily bashing it and telling people, do not watch this film. I just won't watch it, and you won't hear me review it. I don't think that's fair. I don't think you get to go up there and be like, well, I disagree with this unrelated to the film, so this is a bad film. It does not make sense. You need to do better. In fact, you don't even need to do better. You just need to do your damn job. Exactly. I mean, we, we scored a movie that, that had, you know, uh, or I mean, that I'm sure both of us had issues with one of the actors. I mean, Beetlejuice with yes. Alec Baldwin. I mean, we made fun of him, but I mean, the movie is still top tier for both of us. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it, 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 I think it's just disingenuous for these fucking critics, uh, quote unquote, to sit there and not actually give this movie, you know, any kind of decent rating because they don't like the politics behind the person who made the fucking games that they're based on, not even yeah. the movie creators' politics. Yeah, sorry, guys. Uh, you didn't win this one. And when we see that big of a gap, it makes you really question, well, the audience really liked it, and we're the ones that are the ones that are – helping the film out at the end of the day. We're the ones that are, you know, the audience are the ones that matter at the end of the day. And, and this isn't the first time that there's a disparity like this. There's been several no. movies in recent years, like Miss Mar or Captain Marvel, where the tomato meter was 90% plus on the critics claimed it was a near perfect movie. The audience was somewhere in the middle or lower. And they came out and attacked the audience saying, Oh, you didn't like this movie because you're misogynist. You don't no. like women at the helm of the, it's like, no people can dislike a movie that you, and you, you're only Trump. And in that case, they only did it for a political reason because they, you know, felt like that they had to get this. Well, they probably paid by Disney first of all, but that's a whole separate issue. But like these critics were out there promoting their political agenda. And again, that's that's not a fair shake to the movie. The movie was made at best, and their near perfect reviews of it were extremely stupid from even a critical point of view. So yeah, um, if I had to give a score, I'm right with you on the three point five again. I didn't have anything. I don't have anything to argue against that. I definitely want more. I hope we get more. I think that they have an opportunity to really do horrible. If they don't listen to us saying, hey, look, we know this is quotation mark for kids, but we want more gore. 
even if it's quotation mark for kids, this was the kids intro. Yes. It now was. grow it up. Now grow it with your audience. Your audience is actually older than that now. Uh, I mean, now there's kids still, you know, getting into Five Nights at Freddy's, and that's fine. This is their yes. this is their intro. Maybe whenever they find the games, but as older horror fans, they will want more of the scares from the games. Age your movies up. Yes, I mean that's Age what you're going to have to do. I promise you, there are bad parents out there that will let their kids go see it. <laughs> <laughs> they can say Five Nights at Freddy's, okay, you know? I mean, and speaking of it, I mean, I heard Alan Ng from Film Threat, Chris Score's partner on the podcast, talk about how he did not like this movie, and he felt like the, there was Goosebumps uh, episodes that he felt like were scarier. I can't fault him for saying that, yeah, honestly. I agree. I agree. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, are we? is there any more you have to put out there? No. Okay. No. Yeah, I mean, I I wanted this film to do good from the get-go. I don't know why. They had a lot going against it. They had, I don't think the time frame that they released it was a good idea. We talked about that. You got the Taylor Swifties out there that are just, like, bombing these theaters, you know, wanting to, you know, see that. And I didn't think that it was going to hold up. And thankfully, I guess maybe in the time frame it was released, you got all the people that's all the Taylor to the Taylor Swift. Uh, you had a Halloween. It's Halloween time. You it was ballsy to release it this late. It was, and honestly, if they're going to do it in Halloween next year, I, I almost wish that they would make it a Halloween movie in the yeah. sense that the next one, if they if they make it more you know adult i mean in the sense of the humor or, i mean the the horror of it yeah and, but they also make it happen during halloween season i mean that's you're going to have a perennial favorite on your hand at that point all you have to do is make a horror movie set during halloween and uh because we'll get to that in our next review i mean on slasher pass yeah uh, some movies i've watched that were set during halloween and it elevated them just because it's set during the season. I think that they would, uh, even if it doesn't fit the games necessarily, it's not going to hurt the games by, you know, ha or the movies yeah. uh, by having them set during the Halloween season or at least one of them, you know, yes. during that time period. Um, you also have the fact that this was released on Peacock to stream. Um, they've gained a little bit of respect for me from the fact that they did so well, even having done that kudos to them. Uh, ballsy move as well. Like yeah, that, that yeah, could have I mean, really went against you, and I don't know what they were thinking, but I, I still don't know how it helps them. But at the same time, I mean, kudos to them for still making a a sizable profit on it, even with that. Yeah. So I again, I just wanted to see it do well. It did well. Uh, now I have some expectations moving forward. So exactly, I, I that's right where I'm at with it. Yes. Yeah, so. Uh, I would say that concludes this uh, this uh, episode, at least in terms of our reviews on this. But I am conflicted on whether I want to release this on Monday or if I want to release this after our Tuesday, you know, special. Release. I think since you gave away your uh, favorite movie, you might want to release it after. I'm so. thinking so. Yeah, maybe I'll release it on. I don't know if it'll be Wednesday or Friday, but yes. <laughs> and with that, folks, peace be with you and with your spirit.